It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Here's what's cooking on the day's sports stove local hour. We're talking EKU football, recapping the Abilene Christian game and previewing Central Arkansas. We're also talking to QB1 Parker McKinney today in today's episode. We're also going to talk Kentucky and what is ahead for them and their big task at Georgia. That and so much more. That's what's cooking on the day's sports stove local hour. Welcome in to a new edition of the Sports Stove Local Hour presented by IPM Pest and Termite, Central Kentucky's neighborhood pest professional. You having ants, spiders, centipedes, or how about those pesky stink bugs? IPM Pest and Termite can help you. You can find more information about this locally owned and operated company at myipm.com. That's myipm.com. Matt Schaefer. And the fine folks at IPM Pest and Termite will help you with all your pest needs. Again, that's myipm.com to get more information on IPM Pest and Termite, Central Kentucky's neighborhood pest professionals. EKU now on a three-game win streak after an impressive performance this week against Abilene Christian. The final score, 30-15, to and uh, an offensive uh, performance worth writing home about in the first half, the second half, uh, not quite as much, but they did plenty to get the win and the defense continue to do what they do best as well. Something that I've never seen before. I've heard about, but never seen it before. The visiting team, Abilene Christian, they brought the wrong jerseys. They brought their, their gray jerseys, which technically were very light gray, but according to the rules, Gray is a dark color. So since uh, Eastern was wearing their maroon jerseys, Abilene Christian had to wear white jerseys. And they didn't bring white jerseys. The equipment manager, from what I'm told, was not very excited about the uh, conversation he was going to have to have with the uh, university. But nonetheless, Abilene Christian brings the wrong jerseys in. I'm told that the coaches 
claimed they had an email from the conference saying that the jerseys were fine, but the head official said it is against the rules and therefore you're going to be penalized. So what's the penalty? Well, you get two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties to start each half. Well, one to start each half. One at the beginning of the game, one to start the second half. That's a 15-yard penalty. Then you're also penalized two timeouts per half. So right before kickoff, Abilene Christian, the whistle blows, the referee, all he says was, timeout, Abilene Christian. And the stands, the people in the stands had no clue what was going on. Uh, in the press box, we were told, so we understood. But uh, nonetheless, that happened. Then we uh, started the second quarter, same thing, right before the first snap. The whistle blew, timeout, Abilene Christian. Same in the start of the third and the start of the fourth. So they lost four timeouts in the game, and they also had two 15-yard penalties uh, as well. The game finally got started. Uh, it was a three and out for the EKU offense. They went they went backwards on the first play. Then they had a penalty. So they started at the 40-yard line because of the unsportsmanlike uh, uh, penalty on Abilene Christian. And then they go backwards 11 yards uh, before they get the second snap off. Then a 10-yard pass, then an incomplete pass. They punt the ball away. It's muffed. Davion Ross recovers the muffed punt. So EKU takes over at the uh, ACU 24-yard line, only really to have nothing happen for him. An incomplete pass, a three-yard run, another incomplete pass. So out comes Patrick Nations, and he misses. Goes wide on his field goal attempt. So it just didn't look good to start the game for EKU, considering all the positive things that were there for the offense. Nothing could happen, but really that was one of the only mistakes uh, and bad drives in the first half for this EKU offense. Things finally finally got going after that. On the first drive for uh, Abilene Christian, Bailey had a big tackle for loss on third down. Then the EKU offense comes out in a 13-play, 66-yard drive that was capped off. Parker McKinney kept it, went off to the left side for a five-yard touchdown run. That was with 4.18 to go in the first. Then, uh, as time expired in the first, they added a field goal after another decent drive. And actually, uh, DeKenyon, uh, excuse me, Keandre McGlure had a great drive there on the second offensive drive. We're starting to see Coach Wells give a little bit more opportunity to other running backs. He actually talked about that he wanted to get more guys involved. They got Braden Sloan a carry. But uh, they were planning on getting more running backs involved than they did. But anyways, on that drive uh, that, that ends in a field goal, some good things happened there. I'm sorry, that one wasn't the McGlure drive. The next drive was the McGlure drive. Um, uh, yes, it was. Okay, 14 yards from McGlure. Uh, he had a few other carries as well. They had a 15-yard face mask that gave him some help after a 15-yard run by McGlure. He had an 11-yard run and a 4-yard run all on that same drive. Um, that ends in the field goal. Then on the other side, uh, Baker almost got himself an interception on the, on the drive. He, the ball went straight through his hands. He, it was a hard play to make. He jumped up to try to make make a play and uh, was unsuccessful in doing so as far as getting the interception, but he was able to get it deflected. That's Roy Baker, uh, the senior out of Miami. And uh, so he made a big play there, but uh, eventually the score happened a, a six-yard touchdown run for Abilene Christian. Follow that up with another uh, touchdown for EKU, and that was Dakota Allen's first career-ever touchdown catch. He was involved in two plays on that drive, a 28-yard pass, and then the touchdown was a 23-yard pass play to Dakota Allen. That went up 17-7 with 11.46 to go in the half, 
then five minutes later, uh, let's see here. Yes, well, a little bit later than that, it was 20-7 to with a field goal, 6-13 to go uh, in the half there. And then one more touchdown. After the Joe Sales interception, EKU drove down. They got the ball at the 39-yard line. Hewitt went for 12 yards. Wilcox had eight-yard pass. McKinney ran for 11 yards. Uh, Smith got a 21-yard catch. And then Higgins with the 18-yard touchdown completion right before halftime. So 27-7 at the half. The second half, not near as exciting. One field goal for EKU and a one touchdown for Abilene Christian. Uh, Matt Jackson, a big tackle, a five-yard loss. I mean, it was it was a heck of a hit. If you haven't seen it on social media, the EKU football Twitter page and uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram all posted the hit there by Matt Jackson. Huge, huge play early in the second half. The field goal came with 136 to go in the third quarter. A big pass, 41 yards to Cord Sandberg got involved there in the second half. And uh, then the touchdown came, uh, let's see here, towards the end, I guess, or beginning of the fourth quarter. And they just drove down. Uh, ACU did, drove down, made things happen, got the touchdown, eight-yard touchdown uh, play, got the two-point conversion as well. So 30-15 to 15 is the final score as the defense was very solid all throughout this game. And uh, like I said, a three-game win streak should be four, right? Indiana State still a game that lingers as one that you look back and go, boy, that one should have been a win. But this EKU team continues to get better. They just are improving as they go. The defense has been very steady and very good, continuing to get the turnovers, especially the interceptions. Joe Sales, his third of the season uh, this, this past Saturday. But the offense really seems to be coming around, and there's no one who would know that better than quarterback Parker McKinney. And that brings us to our time for a guest. Presented by La Terrain Watches and Accessories. Stylish, sleek, and incredible service from the folks at La Terrain. You can find your next watch at law-terrain.com. If you use the code SPORTSSTOVE, you're going to get 10% off your purchase. Now, it's time for a guest. We are joined now by the ASUN Offensive Player of the Week, QB1 for EKU, Parker McKinney. Parker, thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Definitely. Uh, let's start talking about the season. Uh, just over 1,000 yards. You passed the 1,000 yards passing this past week. Six touchdowns, five interceptions. Um, the team seems to really be progressing. It seems like every week just getting a little better each week and uh, going through. How are you guys feeling right now as far as where you started the season to where you are right now? Um, I feel like, um, personally, I feel like this week our offense really took a, a big step forward. Um, obviously, we have a few things we got to correct once we get down the red zone. Um, our red zone offense wasn't that good, but as far as the open field, I felt like we did really good offensively, and I feel like we're doing a lot of things and moving in the right direction. So that's a, kind of a big plus to um, head forward throughout the l- latter part of the season. Throughout the game, as the game goes on, I'm always counting and and kind of following each series, and I count three and outs, and you guys have dramatically cut back your three and outs throughout the season. I think last week it was, or two weeks ago against Abilene, or against Tarleton, there was three three and outs. I think this past week there was two three and outs. So even if the scoreboard doesn't always show the progress, you're exactly right. The offense is starting to click. Uh, drives are getting extended. The run game is, has been more efficient here recently as well. Um, talk about your two running backs that have been getting the most time, Hewitt and McGlure. 
Um, it seems like, you know, Hewitt's the kind of the, the guy that carries the load. Uh, but uh, every time McGlure comes in, he seems to get a little bit of spark for you guys. Yeah, I mean, they're a great one-two punch we have back there. And, um, yeah, like you said, the last few weeks, our running game's really picked up. And they're two backs that can um, – either of them can play at any time. And, I mean, there's sometimes we have them both in the game, you know. We'll swing one out, hand the ball off to the other one or vice versa. And, yeah, they're both great backs. I mean, they come to work every day during practice. And in games, they're two guys, you know, we can trust to give the ball to that they're going to pick up yards for us. That's for sure. We're going to talk about your your running in just a minute. But how much – because from – I'm not a football player, never have been. So people like me are just talking heads – um, we always say, oh, establish the run, it helps the quarterback. So how does it actually help you uh, in your game management and, and as the game goes on with the run oh. game being effective? Yeah, the, the running game being effective is huge for the passing game. Um, whenever you're able to um, run play-action passes or um, rollouts and the defense actually bites on the run, that's huge. You know, you get linebackers who keep their eyes or um, step up in the box for longer than they usually do. You get safeties, corners, get their eyes lost, worried about the run game. So, I mean, it really just helps your receivers um, get open and just open up the pass game in general. Uh, your your athleticism has been called into question the last two weeks from your coach, and I'll explain what I mean by that. So in, in his weekly press conference last week, he said, I wouldn't call Parker a track star. Uh, then I asked him about it on this show last week. He said, well, he's not Usain Bolt. Uh, after the game on Saturday, you had another massive run on Saturday, 62 yards, I think it was. Um, and I asked coach in the press conference after the game, I said, uh, how you feeling about Parker's athleticism? <laughs> he said, he said, well, he did get caught, didn't he? So, uh, but he's starting to, uh, to admit a little bit more of your athleticism. We talked about it in the press conference after the game a couple weeks ago. But um, you enjoy running, right? Yeah, I love to run. I like whenever they run or not run. I like whenever they design quarterback runs for me. You know, I just like to have the ball in my hand and be able to run. I like to scramble and get out of the pocket. And, you know, Wells, uh, he definitely, Coach Wells, he definitely um, messes with me a lot during practice about me running and that kind of stuff. So I can I can definitely uh, understand what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, on the run you had this week, it was it was an awesome play. You get out, you're just basically got one guy to beat. You try to cut back, back in, it doesn't work. Do you go back to the film and watch that and think, oh, I could have beat him this way or I should have done this? Or do you think that you made the most out of that play? No, I definitely think I probably should have just kept running. Uh, right after the play happened, I was kind of um, upset with myself just because I wish I would have just kept running in a straight line instead of trying to cut back in. But, you know, um, it happened and, you know, <laughs> just, just one of those things you look back at and you wish you would have done it differently, that's for sure. Greg Stottlemyre uh, posted the voice of the Colonels posted a tweet today saying that the two longest receptions this year for EKU have been two quarterbacks. Uh, you had George two weeks ago. You threw one to Cord Sandberg this week as well. So you guys continuing to show that the quarterback room is uh, is a key part to this team. <laughs> yeah, I, I seen his tweet. That was interesting because I, honestly, I, I really didn't know that until he had he had tweeted that out there. I mean, I know Cord had a long catch, but honestly, I, I don't know why. I was thinking there was some other long ones throughout the season, but I guess not. <laughs> yeah, it seems like – I think – I mean, you guys have had multiple passes for over 30 yards. Yeah. Uh, y'all's, yours and Cord's just happened to be 40-something yards each and <laughs> and uh, made it happen. Let's talk about Cord. Um, coaches talked about this before, but from the outside looking in, it's a, he's an Auburn transfer. He comes in, and everybody from the outside goes, oh, they got a quarterback from Auburn. And uh, it seems like, and I know there was competition, but it seems like Coach has had just complete confidence in you the entire time. Did you sense that confidence? And then behind that question, 
um, competition? How do you welcome competition? How do you manage competition? Yeah, so I have felt like um, Coach Wells and the rest of the staff had um, had confidence in me. But it was also they let me know, you know, with him coming in, like it was it was still going to be a competition. Like I still had to go earn my spot, which is what I expected to do. You know, every time I go out to practice or every time, I mean, I'm in a meeting or lifting or whatever it is, you know, I like to compete. And Cord definitely um, brought a lot of competition to our room. And, you know, I'm glad to have him. He's he's actually a great guy. He's a great athlete. And as you can see, we're just trying to get him involved in the offense in any way we can right now. We talked to your right tackle, Drew Hart, a couple weeks ago, and and one of the things that he talked nice about you too, but one of the things he said about Cord was he's he's with not being the starting quarterback, he's bought into whatever I can do to help the team. And we've seen that through him playing some running back, him playing some wide receiver, using him in some gadget plays and things like that as well. And um, he's not the only one. You have a number of players who came in that are new to the program this year that seem it seems like again just looking from the outside looking in it seems like you guys really get along really well with the new chevy silverado you might be driving in this but with the silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens it'll feel more like this introducing the new 2022 chevy silverado find new upgrades find new roads chevrolet hi i'm maria and i'm mike and we're team Team Ready. ready Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Yeah, I would say this year's team compared to the previous year's teams that I've been a part of, I mean, we get along super well. I, I feel like all of our teammates, I mean, we're, we're friends on and off the field. We're super close. And like you were saying about Cord, he, he is like that. I mean, anytime like we're in a meeting and he's always like, you know, what can I do to help? What, what can I do to um, maybe help us in some area or what, whatever it may be? You know, he's just looking for ways to get on the field and just looking for ways to, to help the team out. Uh, you guys are on a, a three-game win streak, uh, coming off the tough loss to Indiana State. Um, I was really impressed how you guys recovered from that because that was, I mean, no time left on the clock. Crazy game, uh, how it ended. It's definitely a winnable game. Um, can you explain a little bit how you as the team, I've heard the coach speak, but about how you as the team were able to overcome such a stinging loss to come on a win streak now? Yeah, I feel like that just kind of speaks to the maturity of our team. Um, I mean, obviously, we have a lot of veteran players on our team, and we have a lot of new guys as well. And I think it just has to do with everyone being bought in. You know, once once we lost that game, we could have easily, like, been sluggish that week and kind of drug through practice just trying to get to the next game. But I felt like after we lost, everyone locked in that whole week of practice and was like, okay, let's, let's not lose another one. And that was kind of our mindset um, coming off that game, which I felt like was huge for us to be able to be like that as, a, as an entire team. You guys have a big opportunity here in uh, the A-Sun WAC Challenge this year. Um, Stephen F. Austin's already lost two games in the conference. They were predicted to be towards the top. Uh, Of course, Sam Houston is incredibly strong. But you guys have a big game on the road this week with Central Arkansas. Um, What do you see out of the Central Arkansas team, and I guess specifically the defense, um, that you guys can attack this week? You know, I feel like they have a a solid defense, you know, some of the coverages they play in the secondary, I mean, uh, I feel like is kind of similar to what we saw this week, you know, and um, 
obviously we played them twice last year, so we kind of know we kind of know what to expect a little bit um, from schematically a defensive standpoint. And then um, I think we just have to come out and just play to the best of our ability. I mean, we've been at home four weeks in a row, so I think people are kind of anxious to get on a little road trip. I mean, I know that's not normally what people say, but I feel like as a team, it'd be nice to just get away from everything, just focus on football. I was going to ask you about that because it has been four straight home games, which is nice in some ways, uh, <laughs> but but it is going to lead for a, a pretty tough end of the season. You'll be home still for another couple of games, but um, not only do you go on the road, you take some long trips. You've got two trips to Texas uh, mm-hmm. that coach said you guys will be flying to, but he said you guys are busing to Arkansas. Um, so what can is there things that can be accomplished on the bus ride as far as team unity and those kinds of things? Uh, do you kind of keep to yourself? That I mean, that's a pretty long trip down to Conway, Arkansas. You know, a lot of times on the bus, obviously we're split up kind of like by positions and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I feel like the bus rides definitely are a way like um, for teammates to get closer and stuff. You know, we'll try to find ways to pass time on the bus by, you know, maybe playing games on our phone, just talking. Um, I mean, a lot of times people people sleep for the for about the first half of the trip and then the way back. But there definitely is a lot of time for um, people to really get to know each other, that's for sure. There was something really strange that happened this last week against Abilene Christian. Uh, they brought the wrong jerseys. Uh, there's there's a there's a long story to it. We're going to get into it in other parts of the program. But have you ever been involved with a game that had that much? I mean, you started. There was a 15 yard penalty to start each half. They lost the timeout that they called at the beginning of every quarter. They didn't explain that to the fans. So most of the fans were trying to figure out what is happening up in the press box. We had the information. But have you ever been in a game like that before? No, that, that was the first time I'd ever been in a game like that. And honestly, I didn't know all the rules like um, going into the game. Coach Wells has kind of addressed the team like what was going on. So we weren't surprised by it out there. But even after he addressed us, I still was kind of a little unsure of what, what was going on. Yeah, they were uh, the I and where I sit in the press box, I sit next to the visiting team stat media guy, and yeah. uh, so he was texting with the equipment manager who was not having a good day uh, from Abilene Christian. So I'm sure your guys' equipment manager will be ready to go for this trip and have everything set up for you uh, there. Last thing I want to cover with you is uh, the five interceptions, six touchdowns, five interceptions, over a thousand yards. I, I know not every interception is the quarterback's fault, even though you have to take the blame for it. But, um, um, you know, are, are, what are you seeing out there? Are there things that you're seeing that you can obviously fix? Or are they just things that just happen during the game and there's not a whole lot to do as far? I mean, you don't want to look backwards, obviously. Yeah, um, I, think it's a, I think it's a little of both. Um, sometimes I'm just um, throwing contested balls in there that I, I probably shouldn't. Um, I think um, a few times it's just timing issues, uh, me throwing the ball to a spot, um, thinking the receiver's going to be there, and the receiver doing something different. I mean, that was one of my interceptions, you know, just kind of miscommunication, which which was good to see early in the season. That way we could get it fixed uh, moving on. But, yeah, that's something um, I try to take pride in is just taking care of the ball and trying to make smart decisions, and that's something I definitely got to keep improving and keep working on for sure. Well, I know one thing that Coach uh, Wells said about you is he talked about your leadership style, and he said, I want, I wanted Brett Favre, um, but what I had to, to learn was as long as I got Brett Favre results, I didn't have to have Brett Favre personality, because you don't have a Brett Favre personality. <laughs> yeah, I'm not one to really like go yell at people and all that kind of stuff. Um, I kind of try to lead by example and then I'll talk to people like on the side, you know, I'll pull someone and talk to them. I'm not someone that's going to like make a big scene out in front of everyone, but yeah, I I definitely, I guess have a little bit of a different um, leadership style. 
Well, it's working. Uh, you won ASUN Offensive Player of the Week this week for your efforts. Uh, like I said, I agree with you. I think the offense is finding finding their way, finding their, their clicking finally, and, and kind of getting that efficiency uh, moving a little bit better and also getting some points on the board. So good luck against Central Arkansas this week, and uh, thanks so much for being on with us today. All right, thank you. I appreciate you having me. A big thank you to Parker McKinney for coming on. We sure enjoyed talking with him. He's a fun guy to talk to. The press conferences that he's in are fun. Uh, he is a uh, not much of a character necessarily, but just a bright personality. And uh, sure appreciate him coming on. And uh, he's been a blast to watch. And I've been really impressed. And we've talked to you. have heard it from Coach Wells, his confidence in Parker. We talked with your heart. We talked with Dejuan uh, Hewitt. We talked with others. As well, and you just you know that they trust in Parker McKinney, and he is not only uh, has the job, but he won that job against Cord Sandberg and held on to it, and uh, is continuing to do his part. Continues to be impressive. Those interception to touchdown ratio, that's going to change. I think I saw one pass on Saturday um, against Abilene Christian that was a bad pass. Like he threw it, and you go, "Ooh, that wasn't good." But outside of that, his decision making is very solid, very crisp. And uh, and I think we're going to see that touchdown number go up and the interception ratio stay kind of where it is right now. EKU faces off on the road against Central Arkansas this week. Central Arkansas is coming off a bye week, so they've had a little bit of time to prepare for this game. Uh, Central Arkansas's last game was against Abilene Christian, where they won 42-21. I was talking with some people within the Abilene Christian organization and asked them their thoughts on Central Arkansas, and they said they're not they're not as good as the score indicates they are. And uh, it's a game that Abilene Christian was leading at the half uh, by, I think, two touchdowns, and Central Arkansas came back and beat them 42-21. But the Abilene Christian people were very adamant that Central Arkansas was not 21 points better than them. Uh, they lost to Sam Houston. They beat Arkansas Pine Bluff. They lost to Missouri State, and they lost to Arkansas State. So they're a two and three team, but they do have talent. Their offense has been fairly impressive, especially when you look at the pass game. Their quarterback, excuse me, is Braylon Smith. He's a junior. He's from Conway, Arkansas. He's a hometown guy. Uh, Sixteen hundred yards passing. That's pretty solid, I would say. So. Uh, you have to watch out for some of these people and what they can do. Braylon Smith, 18 touchdowns on the season. He's having himself a, a pretty good year, I would say, needless to say. He does have uh, eight interceptions already this season to go with those 18 touchdowns. So there's the the good and the bad when you're talking about uh, Braylon Smith and what he can do here at Central Arkansas. Running the football, they've got two guys that kind of split the carries, although they've got their main a ball handler is Darius Hale. He's a freshman. He's out of Texas. He has 80 touches, 286 yards, and six touchdowns. The secondary running back is Tristan Smith, also from Texas, also a freshman. 44 carries, 235 yards, and a touchdown. Then they've got two receivers that you got to watch for. Luan Winningham, a junior, 6'3", 195. Uh, he has 35 catches, 584 yards, and four touchdowns. And then Tyler Hudson, a sophomore, 6'2", 195. So good size on both of these guys. He has 30 catches, 545, four touchdowns. And then less, less catches, 19 catches, but five touchdowns 
for Christian Richmond. He's a sophomore, 5'8", 175 uh, for him. So he's a smaller set when it comes to the wide receivers. But they've got some guys that have some weapons. They've got long passes of 57 yards, 71 yards, 66 yards, and 23 yards as well. When you look at the uh, EKU team and kind of what they're doing and how they've been playing throughout this year, Dejuan Hewitt is you know the, the bell cow, so to say, at running back. He already has 100 touches, 425 yards, five touchdowns. McKinney has the other rushing touchdowns. He has three of them, by the way. But Keandre McGlure is getting more opportunity, as I think he should. 33 carries, 151 yards for him. Wilcox still leads the wide receivers with 22 catches. Smith has 19, uh, and Dakota Allen has 15 there. But you look at the touchdowns, nobody has multiple touchdowns yet this year when it comes to receiving for EKU. Allen, Smith, Higgins, Edwards, Mitchell, and Owens are all the touchdown uh, gets for the receiving crew at EKU. And amazingly enough, Wilcox has yet to get a touchdown. And the senior, you know he is uh, itching for the end zone at this point, but he's had some great plays as well. Patrick Nations, another honor from the A-Sun this week. He is perfect when it comes to extra points, seven for nine on field goals on the year so far. Kyle Bailey still leads the defense uh, on uh, as far as tackles go. Matthew Jackson is second, and Javari Anderson is third uh, there when it comes to tackles. Sacks, uh, it's, it's hard to get accurate numbers, and I'd have to go back and look at my notes to get the exact um, number of sacks there's been. I'm really discouraged by how bad we are at recording defensive stats. So, uh, hey, guys, let's do better at that, uh, whether it be ESPN or the universities or whoever it is. We need to get better at recording some of these stats uh, here throughout the year. Even the ones that I've been handed uh, each week, they're just, I don't know, they just don't seem great on the defensive stats. So defense is playing great. We just don't have the accurate numbers to tell you exactly how great they've been. Um, Joe Sales leads the team in interceptions with three. Davion Ross has two, both of those pick sixes. So a lot of good things happening on the defensive side of the ball as well. As far as Central Arkansas goes, uh, I've not seen a line come out yet for that game. Uh, I believe the last I saw was a three-point line in Central Arkansas's favor. Um, but I'm not, I don't even remember what website that was that I could find that at. So I'm not sure what the official official numbers are. But nonetheless, we're going to say EKU wins this game as well. And I know that's kind of a homer pick, and I know some people will say, well, do you really think that they're better? I think they are. I think this, this EKU team has really come up big here as of late. I think the offense is getting better, and I don't think there's any reason why they should not win this game. If I gave you a, a, a score... I'd probably put the EKU score somewhere in the 30s, so let's say 34. Central Arkansas has put up a lot of points, but I'm going to say the defense stands tall as well. So let's go 34-17, EKU wins Saturday on the road in Conway, Arkansas, and uh, should make for an interesting game, I believe, a good game here. And it'd be great to see what they look like on the road again as it's been a while since they've been on the road. Then after the Central Arkansas game, they will be on a bye. They get an off week before Lamar comes to town. So uh, some exciting football ahead for EKU. What does that mean for next week's show? Uh, Well, 
I can't tell you just yet, but you're going to want to tune in, planning on some pretty big guests uh, during the off week of football, maybe delving in some other EKU sports next week, starting to work our way towards uh, some other sports as well. When we come back, we're going to talk Kentucky football. That's right. Undefeated Kentucky has a huge road game this week against uh, Georgia. Yeah, number one team in the nation, by the way. So when we come back, we're going to hear from our sponsors. When we're done with that, we'll rejoin you to talk some Kentucky football. With over 20 years of experience, Matt Schaefer and the good folks at locally owned IPM Pest and Termite provides pest control service for all of Central Kentucky's pest control needs. Whether you have a current pest control problem or want to prevent infestation from ever entering your home, IPM Pest and Termite offers maintenance programs that will help keep pests out of your home and provide peace of mind. So for dependable, reliable services that you can count on, get in touch with our good friend Matt Schaefer at IPM Pest and Termite today at myipm.com. That's myipm.com. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Built for the man on the go, the Compass by Law Terrain is primed to take on life's moments. From casually keeping time around the boardroom table to backing you up in tough terrain, style and function go hand in hand with this wristwatch that offers dependability under any circumstance. The sporty nature of a chronograph pairs well with a variety of leather and nylon straps and bands to complete any look. Reliable, versatile, great looking, and easy to wear every day. All Law Terrain watches are backed with an international 24-month warranty to protect against any manufacturer issues. We stand behind our products because we know they are built to high expectations. Visit law-terrain.com and use code SPORTSSTOVE for 10% off. Welcome back to the program, and again, a big thank you to our sponsors, especially IPM Pest and Termite. They are the presenting sponsor of the Sports Stove Local Hour. If you live in central Kentucky and you have any pest needs, make sure you get a hold of IPM Pest and Termite at myipm.com. Make sure you let them know the Sports Stove Local Hour is where you heard about them. Uh, Speaking of pests, uh, Kentucky now has to face the number one pest in the nation. That is the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia 6-0, of course. Kentucky, ranked number 11. They're 6-0 as well. Coming off a big win against LSU at home and Florida as well. That was probably the bigger one. But nonetheless, now they go on the road to face Georgia, and they are 23-and-a-half-point dogs in this game, Kentucky is. And a lot of question marks surrounding what Kentucky can do against Georgia. And to talk a little bit more about that, we're bringing in a friend of our podcast. He's not been on the local hour yet, but he is a radio host in Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, so it's time for another guest. We are joined now by the host of The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. Uh, Well, Brad Taylor. Brad, how you doing? 
I'm very well, Vince. How are you today, buddy? Thank <laughs> Doing you. Doing good. So you host The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, Mondays through Thursdays, 7 p.m. on the all-new Sports 96.1 The Zone here in Lexington. And you're also The Weekend Line, The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor on the weekends for Saturday and Sunday on ESPN. Uh, and that is at 9 o'clock in the mornings uh, there as well. We bring you on to the local hour. You've been on our regular podcast many a time, but first time on the local hour, so welcome in. And uh, we bring you. you to talk about some Kentucky football. Kentucky is 6-0. and uh, Had I told you that before the season, as many people told you they would be 6-0, and um, what were the chances you would have bought into that? I would have bought it everything. I'd be living under a bridge right now. I would. There's no chance that Kentucky would have been six and zero in this season. But hey, they've uh, gotten a few breaks along the way. I'm not going to say, but our friends in the desert had them in the spot where they were supposed to win five of those six. So they pull off one upset. All of a sudden, you got a six and zero start. Now it gets a little more difficult. You got a couple of big road games coming up, and then a couple of more improved teams coming to town as well. You know, before the season, we talked. I was on your show. Uh, you were on my show. We talked about Kentucky, and uh, we both picked the under on seven wins on the season. It looks like now they will definitely uh, go over. They should. If they don't, oh, my goodness. But um, it's interesting, isn't it, how Kentucky fans, and I'm a pessimist, especially when it comes to Kentucky football, but I'm, I'm intrigued by how Kentucky fans have responded. Even still, they're responding about the – uh, the Georgia line and the you know the thing that hey we're better than than Georgia and all this kind of stuff. What gives a fan base such moxie um, when their team who hasn't been this good is all of a sudden this good? You know that's a really good question. <laughs> when you <laughs> see people like us, I mean I you know I grew up here. I remember Jerry Claiborne going zero and ten and one one season. I remember all the times in the eighties and nineties when it was all about well, can you get Vanderbilt? Can you win that game to get one SEC win? I remember all those years. But you know, with Stoops, they've recruited better. Let's just face yes. it, they recruited better, and they've had a window of opportunity, especially in the SEC East. Teams like Tennessee, South Carolina, Missouri—they've been a little down compared to where they've been in years previously. So the window of opportunity has opened for them. They've recruited better, and let's just face it, early in this season, they got a couple of breaks. Now, they beat Florida, and it's a well-deserved win. But this LSU game, well, was, was that more of LSU kind of tanking it on their coach, or was it more of Kentucky winning that game straight up? I think it's a little bit more of LSU, to be quite honest with you. Interesting take. Uh, Kentucky's offense played far better against LSU than they did against Florida. And Florida, that Florida game, and again, we said it last week, all credit to Kentucky. They won the game, uh, and Kentucky fans should be ecstatic about that. Uh, but they won on their defense and their special teams, not on their offense. Now, Rodriguez was still fine, but Will Levis was not good in that Florida game. Uh, but the defense was phenomenal, and we'll get to that in just more in just a second. Um, and before we get there to that point, um, people, Kentucky fans are very blunt in saying, we've been telling you now, for three years, this is a good team. <laughs> I keep saying, but but you haven't been a good team for three years. Uh, you had the ten win season, which was which was amazing, unexpected, and amazing. Then uh, down years, and you could say injuries played some role in that. Then Terry Wilson, after the injury, wasn't good anymore, uh, and you could argue maybe it wasn't great before anyhow. But nonetheless, now they come in, they get it, they get a quarterback going here with Will Levis. Um, 
I think the biggest issue is because you mentioned it, right? Kentucky's been recruiting well. The issue's been coaching more than than the players or the talent level, at least, at Kentucky here recently. So is it Liam Cohen? Is he the biggest difference on this Kentucky team this year? If you look at how these they're calling plays, they're still a running team. We heard all summer this, oh, Will Levis is going to throw it down the field. We got this uh, guy with the Rams. He's going to throw it around. They only threw it 17 times against LSU. So you say, oh, well, they didn't need to because they ran it down their throats. And that is true. But we haven't seen a game yet where Will Levis really had to come out and throw it 35 times just for them to win a game. Now, we might have to see one this week against Georgia, but at the same time, they haven't had to throw it yet. They haven't had to line it up up and down the field. And Will Levis's best game was the first game of the season and the last game they just played against LSU, two games where they didn't really have to throw it up and down the field. You're a man of numbers, uh, so here's some numbers for you. Kentucky's passing offense is 97th in the nation. They are 11th in the SEC in passing offense. Rushing offense, they're 23rd in the nation, 4th in the SEC uh, there as well. So you you brought it up. Will Levis has not had to win them a game yet, and uh, and maybe he'll have to. I mean, if they're going to beat Georgia, they're going to have to they're going to have to play perfect offense, mistake free offense phenomenal defense which they're capable of and then special teams also has to be mistake free and i can trust the kentucky defense i still don't trust the offense when i when we're talking about teams like georgia i don't trust the offense of kentucky to be able to overcome what the line that i just saw tonight is at minus 23 and a half georgia's the favorite so, so that that number's gone a different direction it was 22 i think to open and it's already to 23 and a half uh here with georgia they announced that um Game day is going to be there at the game. ESPN game day will be there at the game and everything as well. So let's talk about this Georgia game. Um, Kentucky, can they keep it close? I mean, they they beat Florida, um, and they've won every game so far this season. Georgia's a different level, I think, of talent. But can Kentucky at least keep it close where they're in within you know a puncher's chance? If you say the number one team in America is facing the number 11 team in America – you wouldn't think that one of those teams is a 23-and-a-half-point underdog. But that's Correct. what you see in Kentucky in this one. And let's just let's be honest now. The desert has been right about Kentucky this season. They've had them winning five of their first six games. And Kentucky, we're going to talk about this on my show tonight, they're the best team in America covering, covering the point spread against Division One teams. The only team that they did not cover the spread against was against the old 1AA, the FCS Chattanooga. So when you're playing Division One teams, no team in America has cast you more tickets than the Kentucky Wildcats. Now, since the desert has been right about Kentucky all season, is the desert right about this being a 23-and-a-half point line? That's what you kind of have to ask yourself. Why? And any time you see a, a line out in the desert that you it looks fishy, looks a little weird, makes you think, oh, well, that's that they made a mistake. No, they didn't. The desert doesn't make mistakes when it comes to stuff like that, I can promise you. So there is a huge difference in talent and recruiting for Georgia. The only thing I can see, can Georgia, their quarterback position, which has been questionable for a couple years now, depending on who starts this week, Bennett or Daniels, can they get to that quarterback and make him do things that maybe the rest of the team does not want to do for Georgia? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Bennett has been playing here with Daniels being injured. He's throwing 69% completions, eight touchdowns, two interceptions. He's only been sacked one time. Uh, Daniels, on the other hand, he was throwing for 76%, 
five touchdowns, two interceptions. He's been sacked two times. Um, and they we saw we, Yeah, we saw Bennett play against Kentucky here at Lexington last year. Uh, and he did not look – he did not light it up at all. Now, the only problem with that game, Kentucky had Joey Gatewood playing. So it's not like, you know, that was the game yeah. Joey Gatewood started. So where's Joey Gatewood now? He's in Central Florida. That should tell you a little bit about that game. So we can gather nothing off what we saw last year in terms of Georgia and Kentucky. Yeah, Georgia's been able to hold Clemson to three points, which they struggled to score early in the season especially. They shut out Arkansas 37 nothing, and they uh, held Auburn to ten points as well so this Georgia defense is pretty solid to go along with an offense that's that's pretty well stacked especially if Daniels is healthy as well um if if Kentucky loses to Georgia where does that leave Kentucky even if they win out the rest of the season they're not going to be the one loss SEC team that gets into the playoffs so where does that leave them uh I mean my goodness if the only game they lose all season is the Georgia that's still an incredibly successful season for Kentucky if that's the case and you sit there and you're 11 and 1 uh, you'll hear the talking about Kentucky making the playoff. Now, do I think it's going to happen? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Even the desert to this day, to this point right now, for the, the odds of Kentucky finishing the season 12-0, and 0, less than 1%. So even though, even though they're halfway home, the desert still says, hey, you're on your own with this one. But if this say, let's say they do go 11-1 with a close, not, you know, maybe not a 50-point loss, but maybe a, you know, a 10-point, 14-point loss to Georgia. They do have a case because history has told us if you're a Power 5 team and you win your conference with less than two wins, you're in. But other than that, you know, you have to be a Power 5 team. A team like Cincinnati, they can go 13-0. They're not going to get in the playoff. I don't care. You can say whatever you want, especially against a Kentucky. If Kentucky and Cincinnati, if Kentucky's eleven and one, and Cincinnati goes thirteen and zero, wins their uh, conference, Kentucky's it. That's just how it is. That's how the lay of the land in these playoffs. Of course, I don't see either thing happening. I think Cincinnati's going to lose one along the way too. SMU might be the best one, but yeah, hmm. Kentucky. If they go eleven and one, it'll be the greatest season in the history of the program, and the New Year's Day bowl game that takes them will be very happy to have them with that fan base. I think we're still seeing a Georgia-Alabama SEC championship game. Alabama could still yeah. win that game, and you'll mm-hmm. still see Georgia and Alabama in the playoffs um, as we yeah, anticipate. The only the thing game. Alabama did, the only thing Alabama did over the weekend against A and M, they just used their mulligan. They yeah. if they just win out and beat Georgia in the SEC, they'll be number one, number two seed in this playoff, just like they always have been. So yeah, they. The only thing difference in between them and anybody else, they've already used their mulligan. While a team like Oklahoma, all they have to do is go twelve and one, win the Big Twelve, and they're you know that's a cakewalk for them to get to this playoff. It's much easier for Oklahoma right now because they're a power, still a, a conceivably a power five team, and they're going to run the table basically. Kentucky's defense, they're they're legit. They're third in the SEC, eighteenth in the nation. Um, they've been able to. I mean, they're the reason again. Kentucky beat Florida. They've been solid. They've got some injuries. So they've got some things going on this week, which will make it even harder for them to beat Georgia. Um, but this defense, I mean, it's one of, it's one of the top ones in, in the nation right now. And that's probably the only hope they have to hang their hat on when it comes to beating Georgia. And if you look at the totals out in the desert right now, the total of this game is 44-and-a-half. That's a very low total for a college football game. In fact, of all the games on the board right now, it's the lowest total on the whole board. Now, you could also say, well, Georgia's defense is that good too, and they are. But still, they're not accounting for the Kentucky defense as well. 
Lowest total on the board this week. So 44 and a half points. You're looking at the desert's trying to tell you what? It's a 31 to 10 type game in terms of just, you know, scoring. So they don't see Kentucky scoring, but they don't see Georgia running up in the 40s either. I was going to say, outside of that first game against Clemson, the lowest Georgia scored this season's 34 points. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a that's a very low total. Yes, and that's why that's accounting for that Kentucky defense because you know, it, you know, Georgia covered some of these totals by themselves, especially against Vandy when they won like yes. 62 zip or whatever. Yep. So yep. yeah, they're counting both. Vegas is counting for both defenses in this one. That's why you have such a low total that stands out from the rest of the games on the board. All right, I'm not going to ask you to predict a score, but I am going to ask you 23 and a half. Do they cover? This is a tough one, man. Because <laughs> when you see a fishy line like this, there's a reason why there's a fishy line. It makes you want to take joy. But, man, 23 and a half is a lot of points. It's against my religion to, you know, lay that many points. Even in college football where you can do it all the time, if you stuck a water pistol to my ear hole, I'll take Kentucky of the points, but it's not one that I'm running to the window with a fistful of dollars. You know what I'm saying? It's not what I feel great about. It's just, but 23 and a half, it just feels like too much, but there's a reason why it feels like too much, and I think the desert knows something we don't on this one. If Kentucky covers, it legitimizes who they are this season. I, I mean, You know, I th- the biggest win they had, the biggest win Kentucky had, was not actually beating LSU last week, but it was being favored over LSU last week. The fact that they actually were favored and the desert expected them to win. That spoke spoke more volumes about this Kentucky team right now than it did that Kentucky winning the game by three touchdowns because now you're expected to beat LSU. That yeah. never would have happened any time in the recent past, the last few decades. That's why it was that was a bigger win than actually on the field, in my opinion. And outside of this Georgia game, they're going to be favored the rest of the way, won't they? I, you know, watch that Mississippi State game because okay. they, might, you know, Mississippi State has pulled off a few. They beat A and M earlier this year. I think they'll be an underdog at A and M, uh, and but they'll be a short home favorite against Tennessee. They'll definitely be a favorite against Vandy, and yeah. uh, they'll be a short favorite against Louisville up in Louisville. It won't be mm-hmm. too much now, but I mean, they'll be a short favorite in that one. But yeah, th- they'll be a dog here. They'll be a dog at Mississippi State. The others. They'll be expected to win, but I don't think they win all that they're favored in either. All right, it's Brad Taylor. He's the host of The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. You can catch him weeknights, Monday through Thursday night, 7 p.m. on the all-new sports 96.1 The Zone in Lexington and also on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday at 9 o'clock in the morning on ESPN Radio 1392.5 FM as well. Brad, thanks so much for being on with us. Vince Stover, you're a good guy and a good friend. I appreciate it very much, sir. Thank you. Thank you again to Brad for being with us on the show, and we sure appreciated his input and his thoughts uh, there. Again, make sure you catch his show. If you live locally, uh, you can catch it Monday through Thursdays on the all-new sports uh, Fox radio, and then you can also hear him Saturdays and Sundays on ESPN radio locally here in Central Kentucky. Uh, So you heard his thoughts. I gave you my thoughts. I think Kentucky covers in this game. Uh, I just don't see them winning, and I know I've been very pessimistic when it comes to Kentucky football this season. I thought they would lose to Florida, which, let's face it, almost everybody realistically thought they would. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, having said that, this is a game that's the number one team in the nation. They are number one for a reason. If you listen to the Sports Stove podcast regularly, then you heard our college football preview. And what we said about Georgia in that before the season started was the fact that Georgia – they have the talent to be the best team in the nation. I question their coaching. Kirby Smart has is a 
decent coach, but he's had his issues. And honestly, if you look at Kentucky, it's kind of the same thing, right? Kentucky has recruited well, but the coaches haven't been able to put him over the top. Now you've got two teams who are playing really good football, um, and they seem to be getting better coaching than usual, even though I'm not, I'm not saying that Kirby Smart's a bad coach or that Mark Stoops is a bad coach. I'm just saying the coaching has been some of the issues with these teams and their lack of getting to where they want it to be. And I'm not even always talking about the head coach when I'm talking about Kentucky. But anyways, I digress. They got this game this week. I think Georgia wins this game. I think they're, they're too much to handle. Uh, they're a really good team. Uh, Kentucky is playing obviously really well also. It could be a, a low-scoring game. I think there might be a few more points than we anticipate. But uh, I'm going to go with Georgia. Let's go Georgia 27, Kentucky 17 as the final score. That's our prediction for this week there in Athens, Georgia. But Kentucky's been playing really good football. Will Levis, again, he's the best quarterback Kentucky's had in a while, but he has not yet done everything they need him to do to win the big one. And uh, again, Florida was the big one, right, already this season. But Will Levis did not win that football game. Now they're going to go against Georgia. The offense has to be on fire against Georgia. The defense has to be phenomenal as well. And I trust the defense. I just don't trust the offense just yet. I like the game plan, but for whatever reason, it's not been consistently able to do what it needs to do. And when you're playing a team like Georgia, you can't afford any mistakes. A lot of exciting things going on uh, here in the college football world this week as well and so we'll keep you up to date on all of those things also uh, I will not be live tweeting during the game this Saturday I usually do this during the EKU games and try to give you uh, coverage and everything with that but uh, this week I will actually be uh, traveling or at a funeral my grandfather passed away this week so we'll be up there in Ohio and uh, hoping to catch the game as much as possible but uh, will not be responding or tweeting during the game uh, this week. But we will have a new article out for you uh, early next week. We write for bellyupsports.com. I say we. I write for bellyupsports.com and cover EKU Sports. And so each week I drop just a quick recap of uh, what I was seeing during the game and things like that. We will write an article again. And we're going to start to cover other sports as well. Which We started the local hour episode at the beginning of football season, and so it just makes sense to cover a lot of heavy football, but we know other sports are going on and other sports are getting ready to start, so we're going to kind of be branching out a little bit more, give you a little bit more uh, variety, I guess, on the show as well. Focused heavily on on EKU, of course. Uh, we will talk some Kentucky stuff also still uh, for you. Again, a reminder, if you have pest needs, make sure you visit myipm.com. Get a hold of the people there at IPM Pest and Termite, Central Kentucky's neighborhood pest professionals, and uh, make sure you let them know that you heard about them on the Sports Stove Local Hour. Thank you so much to our guests today, Parker McKinney, quarterback with EKU, and Brad Taylor, radio host in Lexington, Kentucky. Thank you all for listening. Please uh, subscribe, share, like, rate, review, all those good things. For the podcast, make sure that everyone else that you think would enjoy this podcast knows about the podcast. Until next time, we'll see you around the sports stove.